Between the Lines with Virtual Academy. We all have a story to tell. Hello and welcome to another edition of Between the Lines with Virtual Academy. We're a podcast going beyond the bats to allow members of law enforcement, public safety, and first response a place to tell their stories and also talk about the cases that have impacted their lives. How you doing? I'm your co-host, Brent Hinson, and here on the podcast, from time to time, we like to double back to certain guests, either because they have multiple stories to share, or as is the case for one of our guests today, because we wanted to follow up on something she talked about the first time she appeared. Back in episode 62, Catherine Boyle appeared with her dad, retired Philadelphia Lieutenant Michael Boyle, and one of two back-to-back episodes about law enforcement and family life. Today, she's back to expand on that topic a little bit and talk about an event coming up that she's partnering with and putting on with the other guests we have. And we'll get to them in just a moment. Michael Warren, I, I'm kind of interested. We did two back-to-back episodes about law enforcement and family life. Catherine and her dad's episode came first, and then the next week, it was your family. And I'm kind of interested to see what Catherine's thoughts on that episode were after she listened to it. Well, you know, I just thought it was such an interesting take. And I told you, I was a little bit nervous about doing uh, the episode with, uh, with my mom and my daughter, simply because Catherine and her dad were, were so picture perfect. I mean, it was like freaking leave it to beaver. <laughs> and, and, you know, talking about doing things perfectly. I, I, I like to think that I like her dad, but I, I, Maybe not so much because he was so <laughs> daggone good at what he did. <laughs> but it, it was interesting to get a couple of different perspectives on what it's like for law enforcement and families. And I think that's a topic that uh, probably needs to be talked about a little bit more. And I think we're going to be able to, to get into the thick of things today as we like to offer some sort of solution to any problems that we bring up. So uh, that's what we try to do on this here podcast. It's very easy to identify problems but I appreciate people that come with solutions that are practical and accessible. And I think that's what we're going to find today. I think so. Well, as I mentioned in the opening, Catherine Boyle is making her second appearance on the podcast, first appearing earlier this summer in episode 62. She's the founder of Beyond the Uniform, an organization dedicated to supporting police officers who want to protect and serve while prioritizing a stronger connection within their families. Joining Catherine is Jennifer Anderson. She is the founder and CEO of First Responder Coaching, a group that supports first responders and their families by helping them create goals and structure that enables strong and lasting relationships. Catherine, welcome back. And Jennifer, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. This is going to be a a good discussion today. I can feel it. Hi, I'm so glad to be back. Thank you guys for having us. Yes, and I appreciate the invitation with Catherine today. It's going to be great. Well, well, Catherine, I'm going to start with you. Uh, how is my favorite lieutenant doing? Is, is, is he doing well since we since we had him on? So is he out curing cancer? You know, we're, we're working with famine relief. I, you know, I just that's that's what I would expect been doing in the interim here. <laughs> he's doing whatever he can. No, he's doing really well. Working hard still. And it's, it, isn't it amazing how hard workers tend to work hard no matter what it is that they do? Yes. And as with anything that is positive, sometimes it can also be a negative. But he seems to handle that extremely, extremely well. Yes. And I I think he's he's really passionate about what he does and really believes in supporting the victims and 
all of that. So I think that, you know, as much as he can, he really enjoys it and he enjoys working. He's always enjoyed working hard. So Uh, Jennifer, uh, I don't know if you've met Catherine's dad. He's a heck of a nice guy, but I, I, and I mean this sincerely, I enjoy finding people who are as dedicated about what they do as he is because it makes a difference in the end product. Yes, I have actually not yet met Catherine's dad. However, in having many conversations with Catherine about her upbringing and just a little tidbit about about me, my husband was a police officer as well for 15 years. And so living as a spouse of a law enforcement officer, I absolutely can connect and relate and understand how incredible of a job that Catherine's parents, Catherine's dad did in creating the perfect environment to raise an amazing amazing daughter brent no one has ever talked about you and i like that on here just so (laughs) i compliment you all the time in your hair but but i would like to to get your lady's perspective on something you know as we're recording this we recently had the the horrible tragedy that took place up in maine and we had a tremendous loss of life but the part i want to i would like to get your perspectives on law enforcement. I mean, there there was a shelter in place order for for a couple days during that event. I can't imagine the stress that must have been on the family of the law enforcement officers, because when you go for something like that, it's not like you're going in for a shift. It's more more like a military deployment where you're gone, completely gone. And there's limited interaction between the family members and their loved ones who are on the first responder team. How difficult must that have been for those families to endure that understanding what had happened, who they're looking for and the length of time that it involved? I mean, I honestly, I can't imagine. I was thinking about it a lot you know, just watching everything unfold, how, you know, I'm the daughter of a police officer, but I've never had to experience anything like that. And I just, I can't imagine. And it's so strange to me because policing is a nine to five job. I'm using air quotes. It's a nine to five job. It's not the military. It's the average American doesn't understand. They just think, you know, they go out, they do their job and they come home at the end of the night. And there's really just so much more that goes into it that so many people just can't comprehend. And having just a a little bit of an insight into that as the daughter and niece of a police officer, it's so strange to me how nobody understands that, that these people are literally putting their lives on the line for other people's safety. They're seeing experiencing horrific things and they're just expected to operate like a normal person in society and go home and have everything be la-di-da and I just I can't I can't imagine it and I don't know maybe Jennifer can speak to it because well let me ask you this do you think it's that way because maybe those in law enforcement are hesitant to open up more and talk about those sorts of things that is is that an educated guess maybe I think partially, yes, but I also think like if you if the average person just took five minutes to actually think about what police officers experience, I think they could come to that conclusion themselves. If, if you just look at the news and understand all those men and women that are wearing those blue uniforms are having to deal with this and they're a human just like you sitting behind the TV watching it. 
outside perspective, I have no one in law enforcement. I am not in law enforcement. And this podcast has definitely changed my perspective hearing the stories of those in law enforcement. I think it's important to have these guests on these episodes where they share their stories so we can get insight on who they are. They are human beings just like us. Mm -hmm. They get up and they go to the job, but their lives are in danger when they go to their job, whereas mine, not so much. I guess the, one of the things that, that, that we have to deal with nowadays that, that perhaps 30, 40 years ago wasn't an issue is how accessible news is about the events that our loved ones are involved in. That has to, I mean, you know, it used to be, and showing my age here, TV wasn't 24 hours. You know, there, there yeah. was a sign off at the end of the night and, and there was yeah. no news until the next day. So so there wasn't that constant. There, there was downtime. How does that play into things when it talk about family members uh, of first responders? Thank you for asking. Um, there was a situation where we did have a standoff in the city he was working in. I was a high school English teacher at the time. And so at the standoff, we did have a total citywide lockdown. So when we talk about what it feels like being in a situation where this the entire you know area you are sheltered in place you do not move there's there's nothing other than the police movement and the first responder community movement out there and so i was at the high school at the time and the mayor himself decided to go on facebook live to share the you know second by second story about what was happening with the the standoff and to be frank that was not helpful um, for the family members, for the people who were concerned about the, you know, their their loved ones being there, I understand that the the goal uh, was to to share information as quickly as we could about the situation and the scene. But the images I have of my husband standing in front of a group of people with his hand ready to pull is one I will never get out of my head for the rest of my life. So going back to your conversation about Lewis and. I have many family members actually in Lewiston, very, uh, a whole side of my, my dad's side of the family lives in Lewiston. And so when I heard they were going on lockdown, I understood, I felt the challenges that they were going to be facing in those, in those hours of, of lockdown. So it's not easy, no matter what side of the badge you're on, you know, lots of, of nights of texting, you're, you're joking around about dating yourself. When read receipts happened on iPhones, I immediately switched to iPhone. We switched to iPhones because like, I want to have a read receipt. So I know if you don't have time to text me back, it's okay. But I know you're alive because at least you read my text, which to general population, that might sound insane. But to our family, that you was- You don't consider that. I wanted to know at least he was alive because he's reading my text messages. Well, it would seem, and I could be totally off base as I am often, but <laughs> when we talk about a, a significant incident, if it comes on the news and it's in the past, even if it's the recent past, that, that that is a different feeling that it generates with family members than an incident that is ongoing that has not yet been resolved. And it seems like there, there is such this desire in the public for I want to watch it unfold. Mm -hmm. And that has to be incredibly unhealthy for family members. And, and, you know, Catherine, when you were growing up, I can't imagine what it would be like for someone who still hasn't developed the full thinking capacity, you know, a, an understanding of the context, how that can play on you, not only short term, but long term. Yeah. I mean, I 
consider myself lucky for having grown up when I did. And, you know, we didn't have social media. I'm dating myself now. No social media, didn't have cell phones. So, you know, a lot of it was kind of out of sight, out of mind. I've talked about this before. I really, and this sounds ridiculous to so many people, but I really didn't comprehend what my dad did much when I was little because all I knew was that he went to work and he came home. And I've talked about this before too. Every time he left the house for work, my mom said, be careful. And growing up, I literally thought be careful was the same thing as see you later. Like I didn't understand that he literally needed (laughs) to be careful. I just, because I didn't have this 24 seven exposure or this constant awareness to what he might be experiencing. It was just a whole nother world that I had no recollection of. Again, dating myself. (laughs) Things like FaceTime to me have both a a very positive aspect to them, but also a very negative aspect to them. I enjoy reading and researching about World War II. And I think about how, you know, the greatest generation, many of them left, left home in 1941 or 1942, and many didn't return home until 1945 or 1946. And the only communication that they had with family members was via letter. But oftentimes by the time the letter reached the family members, the family member had moved to another place. But it would seem like that the folks at home, it was easier in many ways to to carry on their life in a normal fashion because it was almost abstract what was going on. You might see the newsreels and stuff like that if you went to the movies, uh, you know, on the weekends. But now our our, our troops, for example, you know, they can FaceTime. And I think back then, I know it was dramatized. I know it was a movie. But American Sniper, where Chris Kyle was on the uh, on a satellite phone with his wife and this thing goes down real time. That's where I think it would be hardest for the family member. And Jennifer, maybe you can kind of address that, you know, that that real time. Hey, I got to go. Uh, you know, I'm going on this call and, and you get nothing else but that. But, you know, by the way, they're talking. It ain't good. So, yes, there were a number of times the amount of seconds, the half a second it took for me to hear his radio go off, him say, 10-4, hon, I got to go. I was okay, but I love you and click. It was it was second nature. It became just such a quick habit. And it's funny because now that he's not on the job, we still have that habit. You know, he's driving or whatever. We're having a quick conversation. Okay, I got to go. Okay, love you. Bye. Like, okay, love you. Bye. Like, okay, love you. Bye. Like, it's just such a quick thing still because you're right in that moment, in that instant. I know that he, you know, had to prioritize his career, his city, his people that lived in the city that he worked in, but where his people and he prioritized, had to prioritize that over, over me. I love how you put that right there, you know, prioritizing this over me. But Catherine, when remembering back to our conversation, it, it seemed like that your dad did such a good job of always making it, you feel like you were the priority. When you were together, you were first. And I think that that's, that's where there's this struggle with the people in the first responder field, you know, listen, how do you explain to a little kid that, yes, I love you more than life itself, but I can't talk to you right now. You have this great thing that went on, but I have to handle this first. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think part of that too is now we have the ability to talk to our kids when we're at work. So dad, mom, cop can call the kid 
and be mid-conversation and have to go real fast. And that might give the appearance or the effect that whatever I've got going on on this side of the phone is more important than you and this conversation we're having now. Whereas, you know, really just putting the emphasis on when you're at work, be at work. And then when you're at home, be nothing but be at home. And when I was growing up, that is all we had because we didn't have the cell phones. But now we've got the cell phones, we've got all this 24-7 access to people, and I think it just makes things a little bit murky. Well, I, I think as far as mental health goes, that's the encouraging thing that, that, you know, those in therapy will tell you, you've got to leave work at work. Well, when you're a first responder, that's really not an option. It's That's a tough balance. Especially when they're working 16s you know, or overtime, you force overtime, the, you know, the details and all the other, you know, my husband worked for 15 years on the force. But when we actually look at the amount of time spent in that uniform, it was definitely close to double that when it really came down to it because of lack of staffing, lack of support, um, the needs of the community were were more important. And he, he needed to, to be there for that. And that was a sacrifice that I was willing to make, we were willing to make. All right. So, so Jennifer, I'm going to run this by you here. Okay. Please. So when I was on the job, you know, you have to go to the, these horrific scenes and you have to deal with these, these bad things that happen and that's bad enough. But one yeah. of the things that bothered me was that, okay, what well, that doesn't mean it's over because, you know, I, a year, year and a half down the road, I could have to go to court and testify about what I observed at the, this horrific scene. And, and not only do I have to talk about it, but oftentimes I have to talk about it in an adversarial manner because you've got a defense attorney that is trying to tear down and reinterpret what it was that you saw. And that doesn't seem to be healthy either. It's necessary. I get that it's necessary, but if that's the only time we talk about it, it seems like that could be incredibly harmful. Yes. So again, thinking back through some of the experiences that we had um, that I, you know, him, Kevin and I went through. Yes. To be honest, that 15 years that he was on the job, I didn't know much about the tough ones. I knew little tidbits. Again, we had some conversations with Catherine about that protective nature of that you know relationship. And so it wasn't until, honestly, he had a, a mental health break back in 2017 that led to a six-week hospitalization. And it was looking through the medical documentation over his hospitalization that I learned so much more about the experiences he had over those 15 years. And so in hindsight, I wish I had known some more so I could have supported him through it better. But you're right, having to relive the triggers, the trauma, not just you walk away from the event and that's it. It's gone for years and years and years. And ultimately his empathy bucket runneth over. And, uh, and that's what led to his medical retirement in 2019. We talked to Catherine and, and, and to her dad, you know, she talked about what a great job he always did protecting her from that. He was so good at it. But when you got and when she got when she grew up, she found more more about what he'd been doing. And to me, she looked at her dad with a sense of awe that he was able to do that to do that. And, and that had to be the same type of response that you had. But it had to be coupled with this man. I wish I could have helped. I wish I would have been allowed to help you through these tough times, all, all these things that you're reading during this time at the hospital. 
it, it had to be, man, I can't believe he did all this. I can't believe that he lasted this long doing all this, but how much do I wish I could have been there to help him along with it? Which is why for my two cents of, of, of experience, I often, I often suggest that people within first responder relationships actually have that conversation in terms of what is it that you are comfortable with me sharing? And at what point do we say, no, I'm sorry, this is, we've hit the line, we've hit a, we've hit a moment and this is where I need to, to, to back up a little bit, whether it's because the spouse is uncomfortable with hearing the stories or, you know, I, I'd like to know more about, you know, the, the basics of each of the stories instead of at length about the, just the tough one. That I, I think through conversation is what ultimately is necessary, you know, to prevent burnout, to prevent the lack of communication in marriages. Why is he pulling away from me? Is he looking at me like a perp? Is he looking at me like all these pieces of the the hesitation is in the spouse and, and not understanding fully what's physically happening over the career to that first response. Isn't it funny though, the, all the training that is offered for you know, firearms training or de-escalation training, that the one thing they don't train law enforcement first responder families on is how to deal with certain things it yes. seems like that would be like a first day mandatory everyone sit down and let's just get this right off the bat yes right? that is the operative word yes that is my goal um one of my yeah. many but yes is to get into academies and start having those conversations creating safe spaces for those conversations with spouses as well as the first responders. So they have a better understanding of what they're doing outside of the home and how to support them when they do come home. Instead of just throwing the kids at them and running out the door, some of those strategies that might help them transition more easily. I saw a meme the, the other day on social media that had uh, the two responses I get when I start telling my cop stories. And the top one was a group of guys that were just, you know, laughing away. And the bottom one was Steve Harvey going, what is wrong with you? And it's like, the, those are the two responses. And you know, you've gone too far at a party when somebody asks you, when you start talking and it's just completely silent and people are just trying to find a way, you know, I, w I wish, I wish I could just be invisible right now and walk. But it, it's one of those things that it really is a skill that should be taught. Thank you. But because we become in the first responder world, we become so, I hate to use this word, but it'll describe is incestuous. We hang around with cops. We hang around with firefighters. It's a closed system. And when, when, when somehow we escape the system and we, we forgot how to work in that environment. Catherine, going back, you know, the, the LT, the LT seemed to have mastered being able to go back and forth between the environments, understanding what was appropriate, not only age appropriate, but audience appropriate. That has to be something that your dad learned very quickly that others maybe have not. Yeah, I think I, I think a big piece of it, to be honest, is that he became a cop when he was 30. And when he became a cop, he already had a college degree in psychology because he had gone into the mental health field initially, didn't work out. So he became a cop as a backup. So from day one, it was a means to an end. Like his job was just a way to make a paycheck, a way to support his family. And he went in with such a strong identity of who he was, what he wanted in life. And he had already been with my mom for a while. 
unmarried, but they had been together for a while. So they had a solid foundation. They knew, you know, how to communicate, how they functioned, things of that nature. So they just, when he became a cop, he had such a solid foundation. And I think obviously not everyone is going to have that journey. Not everyone's going to become a cop at 30 years old, but most people become cops so young. And this piece of the training is to your point, missing. So you come in at at 20, 21 years old, you don't know how to take care of yourself, let alone, you know, anyone else. And it just infiltrates your your mind and who you are. And you fall into the the brotherhood or sisterhood, the blue line hood. And that's all you can see. And then that just compiles and piles and piles on top of itself. And and it's just a recipe for disaster if you're not set up with those tools. And, And a lot of times they're just not. And well, the last time you were here, we had talked about uh, you were, Catherine, uh, starting to get into hosting events and you were kind of revamping your website and your website is uh, is done and up and running and you're getting ready to uh, host or co-host an event coming up very soon with Jennifer. I think this is a good spot where you can kind of tell us a little bit about Beyond the Uniform and um, its mission and dovetail is one of my favorite uh, keywords into talking about a little bit about the workshop, but we also want to know about Jennifer's organization as well. But we'll start with a little bit about Beyond the Uniform. Yeah, absolutely. So Beyond the Uniform, it's, you know, it's my mission is to support police officers and their families who want to prioritize connection at home. Because like we've talked about, that's not something that's addressed in the academy. A lot of times it's something that when you're on the inside, you don't see it. You can't read the label of the pillbox from the inside, right? So when you're in the thick of it, you don't really know what's going on and no one is talking about it. So I want to bring awareness to this topic that a lot of times the family is suffering, whether it's recognized, noticed or not. And so I want to help prioritize that home life and provide the tools and the resources and the experts in the field to help facilitate that in police officers today. And one way that I'm doing that is through events. The upcoming one that I will be hosting with Jennifer is November 21st. And this one happens to be about making holidays special uh, with the law enforcement schedule. So as you guys probably know, it's it can be a tricky schedule around the holidays. Uh, you never know if you're going to have to work or if you're going to get called in. So we really want to host a workshop to help law enforcement families sort of identify you know, traditions that can be unique to their family, different ways that they can sort of navigate the holidays if the police officer has to work and things of that nature. So very excited to be hosting that with Jennifer in a couple of weeks. And Jennifer, uh, if you would tell us a little bit about your organization and how you two kind of uh, cross paths. Actually, I mean, that that goes back a little ways here, but long story short, first responder coaching um, was established just a couple years ago to use coaching as that proactive piece. As I mentioned a little bit ago, my husband had a mental health break that led to hospitalization. And so I didn't need to sit on a couch and talk about you know my childhood. I had to figure out how I was going to pay the bills next month if he wasn't working. Coaching provided me that level of understanding of how, you know, where I was now and where I needed to, to, to move forward and move through. Uh, I became a certified coach and then launched um, a coaching practice uh, got connected to the Capitol Police Spouses and from there built this amazing network. Uh, we have trained over 60 coaches across the country 
um, working with many departments across the Vegas Fire Rescue, a couple in New Jersey. We've got some really big projects coming up, which we're excited about. And so it was through that work, I ended up connecting with Catherine and knowing her passion, hearing her story, the way that she shared so much of her upbringing and experiences with the law enforcement community and her realization that it was actually pretty abnormal and having her come to that realization and then using that as a as a catalyst to build her own vision and her own mission to help first responder communities and especially our law enforcement create and establish really healthy meaningful amazing relationships with something I absolutely wanted to be a partner with. One of our missions is through a a nonprofit, our FRC foundation, is that for every coaching session purchased by a department or organization, we one for one support a spouse or significant other. So that work is incredibly meaningful to me, not just because I was a a law enforcement spouse, but because the need is so great. That is such a a need for, for these coaching services. So partnering with Catherine, I'm just honored to have done so, so far and excited about our workshop coming up. I'm super pumped about it because I think having some practical applications to the challenges within this community when it comes to holidays, when it comes to scheduling and the challenges around making the time together that you have quality, even if it's not a quantity, right? How do we make sure that that quality is there? So everyone feels special and a part of, of the holidays. So I think that is such a great topic because I can remember uh, several years ago, working midnights, we, we, we work 12s, yep. you know, so I'm working the night before Thanksgiving. So work 7P to 7A, I get off work, and, and we have one of the largest shopping districts uh, in the state of Michigan. And so there's a lot of mall overtime. And when you're working on a holiday and it's overtime, the money is good. And so, you know, going up there and starting at 730, half an hour later, but because it was a break, I'm good to go. And working a 12 hour shift there on holiday overtime, it afforded me to be able to do things for my kids that I wouldn't have been able to do without working that type of overtime. But the cost to it was that I wasn't spending Thanksgiving with my kids. So, you know, Thanksgiving had to be when I was available. And I think that that's a really hard thing, especially for young folks in this profession Because if you do that for extra money, then you don't become dependent on it. But so many of them, that's what they use for the down payment on a new boat and a new truck and not just a regular truck. You know, they've got the new officer starter pack, you know, new house, new boat, all that type of stuff right there. And then you become dependent on it. Then January rolls around and there's no overtime. And so I think that that right there is such an important topic for us to talk about so that as Catherine, again, going back, talking about when her dad came home, it was all about the family. And if you if you have the stressor of those financial burdens because you didn't do it correctly, that just makes you not there because your mind is worrying about paying the bills. Yeah. And that's actually a couple months ago, back in August, I had hosted another workshop about this topic exactly. It was about finances. And what we talked about was how to run a household realistically on a police officer's salary and not having to rely on that overtime. Because going back, my parents felt very strongly that my dad didn't want to take on overtime that he didn't need, that wasn't required, or that he didn't 
you know, maybe he wanted to take on overtime to afford Christmas gifts or vacation that year, but he wanted to do it on his terms, not, you know, rely on it, like you said, and then you're riding the gravy train and then it runs out. And now your way of living is not affordable. You can't, you can't live your life anymore. So yeah, I think that that also that overtime trap is a whole nother topic that is so important. And I like your point about, you know, you worked Thanksgiving and you were able to afford wonderful things, but then you didn't see your family. And it's it's kind of like, you know, which one would you rather? Well, the name of this uh, online workshop is Making the Holidays Magic as a Law Enforcement Family. It's going to be hosted on Zoom. It's Tuesday, November 21st. So the question that I have for you, the folks that want to be a part of this, and by the way, we'll put a a direct link where you can register in the show notes of today's episode. When they go in there, how much do they have to participate? Can they just sit back and watch? Uh, Is it interactive to where you want them? You know, how much do they have to put into because some people, you know, they're a little, they're skittish, or is it one of those things where you're going to get out what you put in? No, it, it'll also be recorded. And I know that privacy is a big thing, obviously, in this community. So there will be, you know, at the beginning, we'll explain how to remove your name or remove your uh, video if you want to be more anonymous. To answer your question, it is not a matter of, you know, you get out what you put in. This is very much more so presentation style with an opportunity for discussion at the end. So if people want to contribute what has worked for them or ask questions for you know additional insight or context, there will be time for that. Um, but what we really wanna do is just share things that have worked for our families and the families that we know so that we can sort of pass that on to other, other families to benefit from. If our listeners are thinking, you know what, that sounds really, really interesting, but I'm not married. I don't have a significant other. I don't have kids. I I don't need that. Now's the time to get that because the time to learn how to manage that isn't when you have those dependent on you. It's better to learn it now so you're ready when you do. And and so I, I think that I'm speaking correctly here, that even if you're not managing somebody else's holiday schedule, this can be incredibly beneficial for you in the future. Absolutely, too, because how others have to just manage schedule, whatever that might look like for the holiday season can be very hard as a first responder that doesn't have anyone else in the family who understands what it is that their you know schedules are, are moving through, right? So having some practical application of ways to communicate your disappointment, if something is scheduled end up you know, during your shift, but it's very important to you to be a part of that. How do you go into that type of conversation? Absolutely. I, I echo that no matter what phase of your career you're in. This is going to be a great workshop to, to take part in. You know, we, we talked about earlier, Catherine, we were saying I, my perspective changed when it came to those in law enforcement, just hearing their stories. One thing that I think we don't touch on enough as the daughter of someone in law enforcement, as the wife of someone that was in law enforcement, are the roles that you play. Because you're sometimes the silent ones that are affected and sometimes your voices aren't heard and that's got to be incredibly frustrating. You want to take that or you want me to? <laughs> I don't think that I ever felt unheard. I think, you know, <laughs> Beaver Cleaver, what can I say? We really were very lucky, mm-hmm. I think. 
but to your point, it's it's hard to navigate. And I think the more people like Jennifer, even platforms like this podcast can bring awareness to these topics and provide tools for you know the people that are beyond the uniform, you know, on the other side of it, I think is is so beneficial so that you do have the opportunity to learn ways to speak up for yourself or speak up for the relationship or even speak up for the officer who may or may not see what is happening in his or her life and and how to properly communicate with them with them that maybe they should take some time off or pick up a, a new hobby or you know whatever that looks like but it's kind of like what you said with your your mom when your dad would leave for work she would say be careful uh what is she dealing with when her husband leaves the driveway and she says be careful now you as a, at a young age you didn't understand that impact but she goes back in the house and she's in that silent uh mode of my husband's out there risking his life and that you know sometimes you don't get that perspective i think yeah i think you're right and i think for that concept support systems and community come into it big time i come from a family of police officers so you know my mom's sisters were also married to cops so they kind of almost took her under their wing um we spent a lot of time with them when my dad was at work and they were a community in and of themselves and she was able to turn to them and talk to them if she was scared if she was concerned my dad's partner and his wife were very very close with both of my parents so she also had that relationship to you know she could talk to my dad's partner's wife about whatever they may have been working on or what was concerning them at the time and just I think having that outlet is helpful in and of itself. And and yeah, I think, you know, there's only so much you can do, right? You're going to be scared. He's he's going out there to put his life on the line. There's only so much you can do. Jen- Jennifer, th- th- there's another side too, because it's, it's not every day you're scared. I, uh, looking at, at your website, the, the first responder coaching, saving lives, marriages, and families. And one of the things looking back in, in retrospect was if we're not communicating with our significant other, with our families, you can kind of tell when that's happening because when Mm -hmm. you're gathered with another group of of cops, if everything's an inside joke and nobody else is getting it except for the people that work, you're probably not communicating properly with your loved one. When the the spouses start recognizing that, that I'm not part of this closed system and, and my significant other is more comfortable in that system than they are with me. That's when we start to see relationships break down, isn't it? Yeah, no, I agree with that. In my particular situation, I was very grateful that he wasn't necessarily one of the good old boys. He was able to maintain some separation from the cool kids and and some of his in his work and, and really focusing when he was at the job, he was on the job. The challenges more came in when you know, things did happen that he didn't know how to process and didn't know who to talk to. We unfortunately didn't have a very good community. His uncle was a police officer for a few years, but unfortunately had gotten into an accident and was unable to continue his career. So he could speak with his uncle sometimes, but there was really no one else that understood 
what our life looked like. There was no real community for us. And so that was a part of the challenge um, in our situation. But I totally agree with Catherine, you know, having that level of community, having the ability to share, even if he had been going out with the guys more often, you know, having, like you said, a hobby, right? We're having someone else to talk to is so critically important in order to move beyond the uniform, right? When he medically retired, you know, he he's, he's really still struggling. The 150 sworn officers that he would have died for, you know, back in December of you know 2017, the last six years, he's only heard from less than, you know, a handful of them. So why is that? You know, those are the, you know, so much is, is bound in this, like you said, brotherhood, sisterhood, when it comes down to the challenges of, of health and wellness that breaks down, unfortunately. And, and that's, I think, exactly what you're alluding to. You know, it seems like uh, it, we talk about the, the family, you know, the thin blue line, you know, it's us, us, it's always us until something goes wrong. And then it's like the person has a communicable disease, right? That I'm scared that if I, if I go and I visit with your husband, Ooh, that may rub off on me and I might suffer the same thing. It's like if an officer's injured, you know what I mean? Uh, if I go and I see that right there or, or, or uh, an officer, uh, you know, their, their relationship with their a significant other breaks down. And, and instead of actually trying to comfort them, uh, we say, oh, well, at least you got the starter wife out of the way. <laughs> you can start looking for your, for, for your real yeah. wife now, you know? Yeah. Well, and like we said, the mirror, they just, they didn't want to put the mirror up and say, yes. hey, yeah, I'm struggling with some of the things that I just saw him do, you know, deal with. And the second that mirror goes up, they, they think that that vulnerability is going to weaken their ability to do the job. No, if anything, it strengthens because you're getting some of the muck out of your head, out of, you know, your experiences, you're moving through the trauma by being vulnerable and having conversations. And that's what's going to lead to a lifelong career, right? right? It's when we stuff it up and stuff it down and suck it up buttercup. That is ultimately the challenges that were, you know, bleed over and, and cause issues in relationships and all these pieces. And here's what I wish people would understand. It not only is going to make your career much healthier, it's going to make your post career that much healthier and happier. I mean, how many people do we know in the first responder field that they work their butts off for 25, 30 years so they can get to retirement and they get to retirement and they have all types of health problems. They die too early or they're just thinking alone because they're so miserable. Nobody wants to be with them because they failed to cope with things in a healthy way throughout their career. It's not something that happens when we grow up. It's part of growing up and that's what we need. Thank you for saying that. You're absolutely right. So within our coaching practice, that's absolutely something we talk about. What are you doing now to prepare yourself to move through the trauma? So when you get to the end of retirement, you know, we get to that end line, whatever that goal is for you, you are able to have a healthy, amazing life that you have created through these years to help you move, you know, move into those next steps and stages. But I hear you. I want to double back to your um, your online workshop again. It's called Making the Holidays Magic as a Law Enforcement Family. It's Tuesday, November 21st on Zoom. What can folks expect going into it? And once it's over, what are they going to walk away? What types of knowledge are they going to have after they're finished? Yeah, so they're going to you know walk away with tools that Jennifer herself has used, that my family used growing up. 
literal traditions that they could implement into their families' lives, alternative mindsets. One thing that I think is really important is not to use a cliched term, but self-care in the sense that, you know, you can make those moments where maybe your officer is at work and you're alone with the kids around the holidays. How can you make that special for just that portion of the family, even though mom, dad is missing? Really want to provide tactical tips that people can literally take away and implement into their family's holidays so that they don't feel like their kids are missing out on the holidays, so that they don't feel like they have this strange family life or holiday life. One thing that was huge for me was that even though the holidays didn't always look like everyone else's in my friend group, they were no less special. It was normalized. Normalizing my dad's schedule was a really big part of our upbringing, I think, and normalizing our way of life was really important in how we turned out. And so I think normalizing this part of the inevitable aspect of the job is really important. So speaking to that. Would you agree that part of it is an unrealistic expectation on the part of family members of what the perfect holidays have to look like? And I'm doing this on purpose, Brent. You know, they go and watch the TikTok See how I threw in the the in front of the TikTok? They go and watch the TikTok and they watch this little 30 second blurb about somebody's Christmas celebration. And, and, you know, it's taken, you know, it's 20 minutes of content that they boiled down to the best 30 seconds. And they think that that's what their holiday has to look like in order for it. And I thought you put it very well. It may not have looked like what others in my friend group, what theirs looked like, but it was no less special. I think it's about, and and Jennifer, I think you said this a while ago, it's about having those conversations so we know what the expectations are before rather than arguing and being disappointed afterwards. Yeah. And I think that's also a good point about the TikTok, because going back to this concept of 24-7 news, we also have 24-7 exposure to the way other people are living their lives. And if we're constantly looking at that on social media and seeing like, oh, this is what their holidays look like. Why can't mine look like that? And that's just going to be detrimental to the Hallmark Channel. (laughs) Yes. The the only redeeming quality of the Hallmark Channel is that they celebrate Christmas just about as long as I do. (laughs) The best thing about October 31st is that it's followed by November 1st so we can get on with Christmas celebration. (laughs) I am a Christmas guy. And part of that is born out of the fact that when I was working, you know, you had to celebrate when you could. And this tends to be a busy time in the first responder field. And so the sooner we can celebrate, the more time that as a family we can celebrate and have that magic, as you guys put it in the title. It just lasted over a longer period of time, but it was there available when the family was available. Yeah. And being being flexible with that and and fluid with this concept of celebrating when you can, when it makes sense for your family and not really worrying about what your neighbors are doing. Absolutely. You know, the TikTok and the Facebook uh, perhaps (laughs) have been some of the worst (laughs) things that, that have happened to society because it really has 
put unrealistic expectations, not just in the first responder world. Well, it's a highlight it really reel, is. basically. Uh, our our lives are filled with failures, or at least my <laughs> life is filled with failures all day long. But when you see it on Facebook, you think it's glamorous. It, it is oh not that goodness. way. It couldn't be more right, Brent. I, I mean, is how many takes? How many takes did it get? Uh, you know, yeah, Mike's always like, you're such a great musician. He didn't see the six times I screwed up trying to upload a video. So, I mean, that's, but, but, you know. But, but you know, it, it's, I, I'm big in the training field. I, I, I do a lot of, I go to a lot of training. We put on a lot of training. And, and one of the things I, I preach is, is that too often we think that the answers for law enforcement first responder problems have to come from a first responder place. And, and oftentimes the research has been done elsewhere. And I would propose that a lot of what needs to be done has already been shown to be successful in other fields. We just have to take that and incorporate it into the first responder field and we'll be much better off as a profession. Thank you. Because that's exactly what I felt about coaching during his hospitalization. Like I said, I went through a coaching program, became a coach, and I said, yes, the first responder community needs this desperately. And so that's exactly the foundation of the reasons why I chose our first responder community to bring coaching into because coaching is is coaching. We train our coaches to coach anyone at any time about anything. Our training is not specific to the first responder community but our coaches are the first responders. Just want to throw out there, and this is, this is on me, I would have been much more likely to talk to a coach than to talk to a therapist. Thank you. I, I would have been much more likely to talk to a coach hmm. than a psychologist. Listen, coach, I can get into, you know, <laughs> you know that, that's that's something I, I can relate to. And it doesn't have that that same connotation that I have to be vulnerable, even though it, it's the same, same stuff. Similar. I think that's a great, great avenue. So if people want to know more about the coaching, where would they go to get that information? Thank you for asking. Um, definitely on our website. There is information about different coaching options as well as becoming a coach. And there's a contact form right there. You can certainly send us a message directly from our website. Uh, or I'm sure we'll be putting up some information, including our cell phone number. So even a text message, quick text message that they've seen the podcast and are interested in learning more about coaching. And Catherine, you've got a revamped website mm -hmm. and you're, you're really getting into hosting these events. Tell us about your website, because I know it's, it's, it's up and running now. Yes, my website is up and running. Did a little revamp last time I was on the show. It was a little outdated, but it's up and running now with, you know, the new mission. Really want to focus on helping the police officers who want to connect with their families, helping the families who want to connect with their police officer and, and hosting these these um these events a couple times a quarter. I'll be hosting more in-person events in the Philadelphia area in the new year. So all of that information will be uploaded on the new and improved website as I finalize details. I just want to throw something out here. What these ladies, uh, the, what, what their mission is and, and the work that they're doing has everything to do with officer safety. A healthier family makes a less distracted officer at work. And somebody who is less distracted at work because things are bad at the house is someone who is able to be where they are. As they say, wherever you are, be there. Well, when they're at work, they need to be there because there, there are dangers. Yes. When we have distractions because there's problems at home, it, it makes us less there. 
it's about officer wellness. It's about officer resiliency. But I think that if we framed it more as an officer safety issue, then there might be a little bit less resistance there. And listen, I'll put it this way. I know this is law enforcement, first responder based, but I think this is knowledge all of us could benefit from. I know if I had some of the information in my head at 46, at 25, I would have done a lot of things differently and not had to learn the hard way. You know what I'm saying? Uh, There'd have been a lot more highlight reels, wouldn't there? (laughs) Yes, there would. As we're wrapping things up here, I really appreciate uh, the work that you do. Jennifer, I appreciate, and I hope you pass along to your husband, how much I appreciate his service. It's got to be tough to be the spouse of a wounded officer. And those wounds are deep and they're real. They often are longer lasting than physical wounds. So please pass along my thanks to him for his service. Thank you for your service standing with him. Uh, The easy way out would be to have gone and you didn't do that. And not only did you not do that, but you have made it your mission to help others. So thank you for what you do. Catherine, it was good talking to you again. Please pass along my best to your dad. Tell him that uh, I strive to be more like him each and every day. And I mean that seriously because he, he just, I so enjoyed the conversation with him because he just had it together. And there are people out there, the thing I think that, that made the most impact with people I talked to that listened to the episode was the fact that they realized they don't have an excuse. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if other people that you work with aren't getting it right. The fact that your dad got it right shows that it can be done. And so there's no excuse. So please pass along my best to him and my best to you. So excited about the workshop. Uh, We're going to make sure we get that out on our social media. uh, Try to draw people to it because what we can do up front saves us time on the back end. So. Yeah. And the name of the organization, uh, Catherine's, is Beyond the Uniform, and Jennifer's is First Responder Coaching. You will find links and uh, all supplemental material to both organizations in the show notes for this episode and a direct link to uh, the workshop, which, again, as I mentioned, I can feel my DJ roots coming back. Uh, It's coming up Tuesday, November 21st. It's an 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time start time so that's uh eight in the east seven central and i'm not going to do the rest because my brain will explode uh but it's called making the holidays magic as a law enforcement family and you two uh will be co-hosting that and we wish you the best of luck and please keep in contact with us of any events you have coming up because again we like to provide solutions here on the podcast and you guys are at the forefront of providing those solutions thank you guys so much yes it was incredible I appreciate it.